Welcome back to Kaylin It talks about farmers markets and food justice. Today our conversation is with Beth. She's one of the market chefs with the Mill City's Farmers Market. Let's get into the conversation. Like I absolutely love cooking so much, so I'm quite excited to talk with you and like I had food allergies that we discovered when I was in elementary school and middle school, so like that okay. kind of shifted from like eating, I guess I'd say more like standard American food to uh, more so eating like fresh produce and really diving into the farmer's markets and just yeah. doing a lot more home cooking and kind of going on that journey with my mom. And so like then we've, we've done well, a lot more cooking since then. And isn't it sad that like most of us don't consider like the fresh foods American food? <laughs> you know? Yes. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe like a couple generations ago, they would have because people had home gardens. Although I think it's coming around again. But um, it is definitely coming around right now. Like, especially in the pandemic, people gardening more. Definitely. I know I have. So, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, your own experience and a love of cooking really, I mean, that, that drove me into what I do. Um, you know, I, I did a semester of law school. Um, I, I, you know, I have an undergraduate degree in Russian language, history and international relations. <laughs> and um, yeah, I went to William Mitchell and actually before I even applied to law school, I was seriously thinking about cooking school because I grew up in a family that just really loved to cook. And, you know, whether they intended to or not, my parents totally groomed me to be a chef. You know, there's pictures of me with my little mixer on Christmas morning, (laughs) you know, playing, playing restaurant and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, I cooked a lot with my dad, I cooked, you know, baked a lot with my mom. So, so what happens at home really, you know, can steer you into a career in this. So it really does. It definitely has for me as well. Yeah. Um, I guess for the purpose of like, I mean, I know a little bit about you since we like talked with you like, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, but yeah. would you be able to talk a little bit about like, what your job is and your role is at the market? At the market? Sure. Um, So, well, my full-time job is I'm the executive chef of the campus club at the University of Minnesota, but my job as a market chef is to, I don't know if I'd call it the job so much as the mission is to get people less afraid of cooking. Um, I, I, you know, as, as good as it is that we have so much food media and, you know, television, podcasts, all of it. um, I think what's happened though is, is people have gotten a little intimidated by it and, and think, Oh, if I can't make it look like so-and-so on TV, what's the point? And so my favorite thing about the Saturday morning demos is they can see that, you know, it gets messy. It's, you know, you're, you're prepping all this stuff. You're trying to make a whole recipe in 20 minutes, half an hour. And um, yeah, it's, it's real life. We're not, you know, we don't have like 10, 10 assistants (laughs) running around and having everything perfectly chopped for us. It doesn't have to be perfect for it to be delicious and to be fun. Um, You know, one of 
one of my favorite parts it has over the last year was getting my my youngest son George involved. He's eight years old now, and um, you know, I, I hand him an eight-inch chef's knife and ten tomatoes and say, "Here, I need these large diced," and he just goes goes to town on it. And I remember one of the times I had him doing that, there was this kid who walked by with his mom, and he looked at George chopping away with his knife, and he's like look at him. He's eight years old. Why won't you let me use a knife? And so it's like, let's open it up. Let's get, get our kids in the kitchen. Let's take the pressure off and come up with um, some things that are simple. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, one, one of the farmers um, at Mill City is Pam Benicky with um, Prairie Hollow Farm. And she has been selling to me at the Campus Club for years. And even before that, probably going on 15 years ago when I worked at Lucia's, she she was selling to us there. And so I, I will have a conversation with her when she comes in to the club, like, okay, you know, what are you seeing at the market? What's what's good this week? And she'll give me some ideas. And But the big thing Pam has always stressed is don't make it too complicated. Just keep it as simple as possible because otherwise people are going to glaze over and they're not going to make it. So, you know, and that's, that's sort of my style of cooking anyways. You know, I like to, um, you know, at the club, we, we do all from scratch. We buy directly from farms. And, um, you know, when people ask what my food philosophy is, it's to buy the best ingredients I can get my hands on and just don't screw it up. Like, let your beautiful tomato be the beautiful tomato. You don't have to dice it into teeny little bits. You know, it's best when it's just big slices and some good salt and olive oil, um, things like that. So I guess trying to sort of demystify cooking and, and let people know that, you know, trust your gut, trust your palate, and just try to have fun with it. Try to relax and use it, especially now use it as therapy for, for everything else that's going on in the world. So cooking is one of my favorite ways to like, I guess procrastinate schoolwork, but it's also relaxing. <laughs> that's so funny. You say procrastinate because when I was in law school, I was, I cooked more during law school than ever. I should have been writing briefs, but I was coming home and I was baking and yeah, it was just, I was kind of following my instinct and yeah, it, it's a stress reliever. Yeah, it feels good. One of the things you're talking, like, I guess, like the mission of what you're doing at the market is kind of making cooking approachable. I mm -hmm. guess I was wondering if you also had any thoughts of how you make like n new produce approachable. Cause I, as we've kind yeah. of explored stuff, um, kind of as a group of interns. And one of the things I was realizing as we looked at the book of like what the world eats it's kind of old but I was kind of realizing how Great. standardized produce had become like how everyone has like the carrots and the broccoli and like how do you start to explore like we're growing at like our school garden the summer okra and it's like yeah. well if I just saw that I'd be totally like terrified I didn't know what to do so I just pass over it so like do you have suggestions for how to explore new unknown produce Talk to your farmer. That's, that's the, they are the best resource. I mean, they eat what they grow and a lot of them are really great cooks. Um, so I, I would say that's, that's the first thing is, you know, ask them, what do they do with it? Now, sometimes they're, they're growing something new for the first time themselves and they might not always have an answer for you, but do a little research. I mean, just get out your phone and, you know, okra is, is one of those where in Minnesota, yeah, it's pretty unusual, but you get further south, 
yeah. everybody knows what it is. And, um, you know, I mean, that's a good example. You can make amazing gumbos and you can fry it. You, I love okra in curries because it, a lot of people are freaked out by something like okra the first time because it has sort of, and this is such an unappetizing word, but it's got this natural slime. And, but what it does is in a curry, it gives it, you know, if you cook in some coconut milk and some other stuff, it gives your curry this just luscious, silky texture, and it's not going to come out slimy at all. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a thickener. But, you know, other things like, you know, the dried beans that are available at the bean market, those are so beautiful. And, um, you know, I guess I would say you're, there's just so many cool things, especially at Mill City. I, I think the farmers at Mill City have done such a great job of taking a chance on on their customers' palates and growing some stuff that isn't, you know, in in the normal realm of of foods for a lot of Minnesotans. And so, um, yeah, talk to them first. If they're not sure, you know, what you you can always send send an email to somebody at the market. They could pass it along to us chefs, probably. Um, Look it up on the internet, though. Somebody in the world has a recipe or a YouTube video or something for for just about anything you're gonna find it at the market. So be adventurous. It, it's it's a good it's a good lesson for your kids too um, to to see their parents be like, I don't know what to do with this, but I'm going to do a little research. I'm gonna take a chance. I'm gonna play around, and we'll see what happens. It's a good experiment. So. And since you brought up kids a couple a few times, and I think you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you have suggestions for like how to get your kids in the kitchen, especially if like as kind of your example that you're saying is like a mother being afraid to let her kids use knives or things like that? Right. Um, lure them in with something you know they already like. Um, I guess you know with certain kids this won't necessarily work, but what what usually does the trick for me is is I will start chopping a bunch of vegetables or some fruit and I just leave it on the counter and they'll be walking through and they'll they'll just they'll want to grab a handful at ground cherries like right now the ground cherries are like the thing that's luring my kids in like if I'm cutting up a bowl of fruit for dinner or whatever they will grab a handful of those ground cherries and just start chowing down and then pretty soon I'm like here and I just hand them a knife and say start chopping now if your kid doesn't know how to chop, obviously that's not a smart move, but um, start them when they're little with a butter knife. Um, my kids were, you know, chopping little pieces of pepper or slices of apples with a butter knife in their high chairs while I was cooking dinner. And if you get your kid feeling like they have a steak in their dinner that they that they've helped contribute to it in some way, they're a lot more likely to eat it. Um, and, and I guess, um, just try to make it fun. Don't, don't be a perfectionist. Don't expect that everything's going to look great. Um, you know, even something as simple as, you know, taking the stems off strawberries, things like that. Um, snapping, snapping beans. That's a good one for kids or sugar snap peas, pulling the strings off. That's kind of a fun thing for kids to do. And, you know, you don't have to expect them to be in it for the whole, you know, 20 minutes or however long you're prepping. But, you know, every little bit counts. And, um, 
you know, just ask them if they want to help or just kind of lure them in. It can't, can't hurt to have a little appetizer sitting next to the chopping board, you know, while, uh, while you're working. So those are some of the, some of my little tricks with my kids. Yeah, I think those are all good tips. And like our nutrition classes, we've talked before about how like getting kids to eat new things is like having them involved in the process is really important. Yep, I agree. And just, I guess, shifting gears a little bit, um, how is, so like you would do cooking demos and I believe the cooking demos aren't happening this season, correct? Right. So like how... I guess how has COVID shifted what you guys have, are doing and how you've been able to reach out with like recipes and things like that? Well, we've been shooting some videos. I have to admit, I, I think I've only done one so far. And so I owe Mill City a few of them. But um, I know like Jenny Breen has done a number of um, a number of videos. She's doing some classes through the U and the Center for Spirituality and Healing. I've got some classes uh, that are probably going to be coming up with the Arboretum. So it's, it's kind of a whole new world on this, how it'll work. Um, yeah, I'm used to teaching in person. I, I normally teach like a class a month or so at, at uh, the Good Acre. But uh, yeah, that all got canceled. So I, I think it's going to be online. You know, so Jenny's done a couple that I've watched that have been live and um but, uh, you know, I think in the next week or two, I'm going to be doing doing uh, just kind of some short, quick ones, um, like maybe some refrigerator pickles, things like that. Just kind of the stuff I'm, I'm eating right now that doesn't necessarily require turning on the stove. So, um, yeah, it's tricky because you do, you're doing it on, from your own phone or your laptop or whatever. Yeah, it's a, like a one person turned into a 10-man crew. Exactly. So, um, well, not for me. I mean, I just, I just clunked my laptop on a countertop and started talking to it when I did it. And, um, so, so it's, it's going to be a lot of trial and error, I, I think. Um, you know, but there are a lot of people doing it across the world right now. And I think, um, I think one thing that's kind of nice about it is you can see inside people's kitchens, which is kind of fun. I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell behind me, I live in a 102 year old house. I do not have the gourmet, lovely kitchen. It, it, it kind of goes to show you that you don't really need that. So yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I, I'm hoping that, that that again can help to make things less intimidating for people, so. Yeah, I kind of imagine that that definitely would if you see them kind of in the home setting. It's like, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect. They don't have all right. these stoves. I don't need to have this big thing. I have a stove or like a cooktop and like you can, exactly. you can make something tasty with something so simple. Right. Or if there's a kid running through or a dog running through. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like the, what's the woman's name? Yoga with, or yoga with Adrian. How like her dog would kind of go through yeah. and was filming from her house. And I think that made it so much more endearing. And she's, she's just exploded. So I think um, just kind of making it more real, not, not such a stage. So are there any, like, what are some of your, like, favorite um, items of produce or favorite recipes or meals? Well, oh, gosh, that's kind of a hard one to say, but 
I'll tell you what I'm eating a ton of right now are refrigerator sure. pickles. I, you know, I'm one of the people who always had high intentions of, of having a beautiful garden, but you know, when I'm driving to the U and back and working, you know, 40 to 50 hours a week and then rushing to get my kids soccer and baseball four nights a week. It's like, there's the time for the garden and it just didn't exist. But with COVID um, and I've, I've got one now. So my cucumbers are going crazy, but refrigerator pickles are so fast. You know, you just, you make a simple brine. I usually do like some rice vinegar. I love the little green um, coriander pods when your cilantro goes to seed. So I actually wind up, I kind of prefer when my <laughs> my cilantro goes to seed. A lot of people are bummed out like, oh, it does, it's done, but that's my favorite part. Um, put some of that in, some slices of onions, like a dried chili, maybe a touch of sugar and some salt. And I'm just eating them with like, a good piece of cheese, some good homemade bread or bread from the market. Um, and the tomatoes, the tomatoes are just like my favorite thing. Um, like I said before, salt, a tiny, you know, tiny bit of vinegar, maybe you don't necessarily need it. Basil, again, some good cheese, olive oil. It's just, it's simple, but it's it's so good. And, and it's at its best right now. Um, because you can't replicate that in January, at least not in Minnesota. So, um, yeah, those those are the those are the things I'm eating a lot of variations on right now. Um, but you know, like getting into the winter, I I love making soups and stews. Um, you know, I love roasting squash and things like that. And I love I love to bake. I've you know I've been a pastry chef too, and Pie. I just love baking pie so much. That's that's probably my favorite thing. My mom's Swedish apple pie is I've I've taught it many times in different classes. And that's that's just yeah. That kind of is my whole food. So I feel like you have such a wide variety of experience. It's just really cool from like law school to like pastry chef to just like <laughs> a little bit more traditional chef practices. And, like, yeah, I've, I've dabbled in a lot of things, but but the food thing has been pretty consistent my whole life. So yeah, and I, I love it. You, I kind of started to talk about winter things. Do you have any other like suggestions for like how people can like still incorporate produce or other like ways like um say like the campus club or other local organizations of ways to still like support local in the yeah. winter when we don't have a, a really big growing season well i mean now's that's a perfect time for you to be asking that question because like all the tomatoes you're seeing um so for years um We've worked closely with Cornucopia, which is the student organic farm at the U. And my friend Courtney Cheeto is the director or the the um, the manager of that for years. Um, and Courtney had a major tomato addiction, and she would grow like 95 varieties of tomatoes, and we would freeze them at the club. And um, I was just in there today, and I still have about 100 pounds that we froze last season that we haven't been able to use because of COVID. We've been shut down and we'll be reopening on the 8th. But um, so I would say, like, start preserving some stuff. Now, a lot of people think, oh, you have to can tomatoes. And it, canning is, is a fair amount of work. I, I, I have to say I'm not 
real well versed in canning. I've done it. But um, what we did for all these tomatoes is we'd get them in, we'd wash them, we'd core them, and we'd put them on sheet trays in the freezer until they were rock solid. And then we'd put them in these big bins. But you could do that at home too. Um, you know, you'll, you're probably starting to see farmers selling like bushels of tomatoes and you're like, oh my gosh, I would never be able to use that. But if you, if you try freezing them, you know, even if you do it just a couple of bags, um, it's kind of nice to have. And so middle of January, what you do with this, obviously you're not going to be able to slice it and put it on a sandwich, but turn your oven up to 500 degrees, get a roasting pan and dump a whole bunch of frozen tomatoes in it. Do like a sprig of fresh basil, a couple cloves of garlic, and you just shove it in the oven. And after about 20 minutes, it's going to look like you got a pan of water with tomato skins floating on it. But you keep it, you keep it roasting and reducing, and it gets to be like this delicious jammy tomato sauce, and it's just the greatest thing ever. So, um, it yeah, it's that's been kind of the basis for so many of our sauces and and things at the club, and um, it's a good way to keep using local. But but even into the winter, I mean, you can get flour, you can get bread, you can get um you can you can get meat eggs um there's cheeses there's just hundreds of locally made products um that you can keep getting all year round um at the farmers markets in Minnesota and and so many of them do go year round now they're they're not every week but um you know monthly um usually before thanksgiving and christmas they're a little more frequent than that and um just just start asking your farmers now too like what could i be doing to support local throughout the whole year it's not a tough thing so um yeah there's we we live in such a great part of the country for this you know even though we're like buried under a foot of snow for a good part of the year there's a lot of local food and this year probably more than ever the farmers really need us um and so so try to up your game on the local, you know, try to buy like one more thing than you normally would per week or, or get to the market one more month, you know, one more week than you normally would, things like that. So, um, yeah, they need our help. So I feel like that's a really good list of things. And like, that makes me actually really excited for winter to, to think about doing those kinds of things. And hopefully that has the same impact for other people. Right. Well, and I think, you know, with COVID, like when it first, when we got locked in early on, you know, you see the sourdough bread craze and things like that. But but start thinking now about, okay, what do I want to be able to pull out of my freezer in December or January? They'll give me a little taste of summer or just, you know, think ahead a little bit because um, we're not exactly sure what we're what we're going to be dealing with in the few next several months. So um, plan out a project for yourself in January and get your ingredients in line now, you know, so you're going to need something to do. <laughs> we definitely will. We have always like growing up, we've uh, picked blueberries every summer and froze those and we shred zucchini and freeze it, but yeah, that's never really thing. branched out into more practical things. Like those were always used for like, 
on hold baking projects, which is fun too, but less those are good though. Less meals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's there's just a lot you can do. And I mean, you can you can still find local onions and carrots and turnips and rutabagas and other things pretty much into March, you know, squash. You can buy it and you can still be buying that stuff fresh at the farmer's markets. So um, keep that in mind. And, and those root vegetables really can be good. I think a lot of people are, yeah, those root vegetables have bad reputation for some reason. And uh, I think it's because too many people just boiled them, <laughs> you know, which can be good depending on what, what else you do with it. But roasting with some salt, pepper, good olive oil, it's really healthy and it tastes really good. So you can take something that that may be a little bit too earthy in flavor for some people and intensify the sweetness, you know, get some caramelization and and you'll you'll take a vegetable that you think you may hate and it can turn into your next favorite thing. So I feel like that's we've talked about a lot and that's like most of the questions I have I guess I would be curious if you had any last tips for like you've mentioned olive oil a lot and like olive oil yeah. and, salt and like roasting are like probably the, the go-to simple ways to cook like most things but if you have yeah. any like other suggestions for like I guess new newer cooks of like how to make flavor profiles more interesting or like or how you kind of balance flavors out uh-huh well I'll get, I'll get, this is sort of one of my go-to things and, and the people that have come to my cooking demos on a regular basis have probably heard this a thousand times, but a lot of times when your food falls flat, if you taste something and it's just missing something, most, most cooks will think, oh, it needs salt. That's just kind of the go-to. Most of the time, what it's missing is acid. And that can come in multiple forms, like a squeeze of lemon juice, a little bit of vinegar. Um, my go-to is usually hot sauce, like Tabasco, or there's a lot of really good local hot sauces around here too. So keep your eyes open for those. Um, and it's not for the heat, it's for the vinegar. Um, the, the acid will brighten the flavors of your food and just kind of, it, it makes you salivate. And it just it, it just can like heighten the the uh, the whole experience of your food. Um, I'd also look into using more herbs. Um, you know, a lot of us have have a few pots of herbs on the the steps and and stuff like that. I'm I'm already plotting like okay, how many I keep these pots going into January? And I have bought like several plant stands on on uh, Facebook marketplace and stuff like that for bringing more stuff in in the winter. And um, so just, you know, like a couple sprigs of fresh thyme or chopped rosemary can, can just add a, a different level to your food, you know, just chopped sage. Those, those I always, I, I kind of think of more um, those heartier herbs kind of um, for something you're actually gonna cook. Um, things more like cilantro or basil. You're not necessarily going to want to cook them. You're going to want to kind of shred them up and put them in the, at the end because, again, it's like a brightness factor. It will um, just throw in like one extra fresh element to your food like at the very end. So, yeah, think about herbs. Um, 
good spices too. Like try to buy fresh spices. The co-ops in the Twin Cities are so good about carrying really good spices. And I try to buy whole ones whenever possible. I have a separate coffee grinder that I use just for grinding spices like cumin, coriander. Those are probably the two I use more than anything. Um, so if you're growing cilantro on your, your deck or in your garden right now, start start watching for those green seed pods. They're really delicious when they're green, but if they start to dry out, keep them, save them. I've already, I mean, that's the main reason I'm growing my cilantro right now is, is for the coriander for the winter. And um, so the co-ops though, you can buy like small amounts for what you're gonna realistically use in a certain amount of time. And it's good to toast your dried spices and then grind them and then throw them into whatever you're making. So again, it'll just kind of give you a heightened flavor. So um, chilies too, um, that, you know, it's a good time to be thinking about um, buying chilies. If you, you can buy like a simple dehydrator or you could just get a, like a, a rack and dry them out in your oven at a low temp, 150 um, overnight or something like that. And then you can just have dried chilies to crumble into things. So there's a lot you can do. There is a lot. And now I'm going to have to go look at our cilantro in our garden and watch those closely. Yes, those green pods are just my favorite. I mean, I'm putting them in the, the pickles. They're nice if you crush them um, and and sprinkle them over like a chicken breast or in a yogurt sauce or fish. They're great with fish. So um, yeah, it's just like this awesome little flavor burst. I feel like we've covered a lot of suggestions, but is there anything else you'd want people in the, that go to the market or listening to the podcast to know about your work or anything else? I just, I just really love cooking and um it seems to be just kind of this uh, this thing so many of us have in common. You know, we're I, I think you know there's a lot of division in the world right now, or at least it, it can feel like it sometimes. But you cook something really good. I don't care, you know, who you're talking about. People, it's going to bring people together, and um, you know. It, talk to the people at the market. I know, I know things are a little more rushed with um, the social distancing and, and things like that, but um, yeah, I, I think food can, can cure a lot of the world's ills and um, yeah, bring people together. I know, you know, with social distancing, we, we can't be inviting our friends to our homes, but it's not, not preventing us from dropping a pot of something at your friend's house or, you know, a jar of salsa or, you know, something else wonderful that you make. So, and I guess I would say like, reach out and explore cuisines from other cultures. And we are in the perfect place to do that. We've got people from so many different places around the world living in the Twin Cities and there's so much good food. Um, I mean, restaurants need our support, and especially the little guys. Um, so, you know, find a mom and pop place that's making food that you are not familiar with and challenge yourself and challenge your kids and go try some sambusas or, you know, um, yeah, 
just just explore. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Beth and were able to learn something as well. I know I did. I will leave links below in the description so you can find the recipes that the Market Chefs has created, as well as some of the videos they have created to go along with them. Thanks for listening.